Well, welcome to the Memoirs of Abiding podcast. I'm Chris Bryant. We wanted to start something a little different and counter to what many have been taught or learned through experience. Our topics will be practical and theological, focusing on what the early church thought. What we are going to talk about isn't some new idea, but rather an old idea gaining traction again. Our tell is sharing our experiences and looking at the Bible and this material. Our ask is that you will take it into your own devotion time and ask the Lord how to best apply it. We will talk about this material each week. and We have blogs addressing practical applications at www.memoirsofabiding.com. We hope you experience God through talking about His Word with us. Well, welcome back to the Memoirs of Abiding podcast, where we are going to talk about abiding in the Lord. And uh, the whole idea of this month is conflict. And uh, I just had a conflict with my computer. So we're having some fun tonight. But the uh, the conflict we've talked about so far is one with government and, and our specific positions. The other one was a conflict with vocation, whether it's our employer or other employees. And then tonight, today, this morning, we're going to dive into inside of our family. So when we talk about inside the family, that could be your uh, uh, son or daughter. It could be with your parents. It could be with a sibling if you have them. It could be that you're the parent and you have conflict with your children. Or even you could be a spouse and you have a conflict with your spouse. So those are the when we talk about family, those are what we're talking about. And also extended family. Maybe it's a family reunion or some sort of family get together. Uh, when we talk about family, think of it from that framework. So I, I want to separate this one out, Ricky, and, and Ricky's back with me. Ricky, welcome. Welcome back to this uh, exciting conflict thing. Thank you, sir. I'm excited to be with you. Let's go. Yeah, and of course, Ricky, you probably have not experienced uh, conflict in your family, so <laughs> this might be new for you. Yeah, right. Of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just like I haven't, right? <laughs> so I think that, that when I think of conflict in the family, there's two ones that always stand out to me. There's a, a separate belief system that some might have, or there's a separate goal that someone might have. Goal, another word we can use there is like an expectation. Like I expect something different. So let's start with the the separate beliefs. And I want to I want to jump into this one because I think we've got some pretty good points here. So religious beliefs is the first one I want to look at. What happens if we have different religious beliefs than our parents, let's say, or our children or some siblings of ours? or even our spouse, like, how do we overcome these by abiding in the Lord? And real quick, I know that we, this is like a main focus for us, right? Like we talk about how do we overcome this and abiding in the Lord? How do we, well, the whole idea of this podcast, Memoirs of Abiding, is to talk about these different situations or scenarios in which we have abided in the Lord and we find victory in Christ. We find a change. So Ricky, I mean, you go first, give maybe one or or two examples, but how do we overcome these religious belief differences with 
differing family members. How do we overcome these by abiding? Well, you know, when we abide in the Lord and abide in his word and his love, we're here. the more we pour his word into our life, the more we get to know him, the more we become like him, we start responding to people like he does. And and if you were you know, to study the life of Jesus very carefully, you find that he's really good at this kind of stuff. And and then also he he gives us an encouragement. He says, I don't do this on my own. I do this in complete dependence on my relationship with, with the Father in heaven. So as I abide in my Father, just in the same way you abide in me. So we start taking on the, the nature of Jesus by getting to know him and pouring his truth into our lives and overriding our ways with, with his ways. And, and when that happens, then some really wonderful things start to take place when it comes to the potential conflict we might have over religious or doctrinal biblical positions. And one would be coming to a conclusion as to whether or not the particular conflict that I'm involved with, with in with somebody is one of those essential ideas that, that, that potentially might lead somebody away from the Lord Jesus and ultimately not into salvation and not to heaven. And if, if it's that kind of a conflict, then my response is going to be more engaged. If I come to the conclusion that the conversation is not one of those essential issues, like maybe somebody says, well, I don't see why you go to church on Sunday the Bible talks about the Sabbath, so I go to church on Saturday. Mm. I'm not going to argue with the person about that. I'm, they might want to engage in a conversation, and I'll have the conversation. But that's not one of those hills I'm going to die on. I'm not going to get into any kind of a debate with somebody. I'll say, "Well, I, I'm, I don't, I, I don't think it's the most clear way that we should go about it." But I don't. I don't think God's terribly upset about it. So I don't think it's something to fight about or something to be over, to get overly worked up about. So uh, one decision-making process is exactly how important is the decision. Then another decision-making process is, is behind the scenes, Jesus was always reflecting and he always understood his the person he's talking to. And he chose just the right word and just the right timing and just the right setting, just the right truth to convey what he needed to convey. He didn't get into long, long debates and he didn't get hyper-focused on winning the argument. He was hyper-focused on depending on the Lord, the God, the Father in heaven, and he was hyper-focused on being filled with grace and truth and love and kindness and mercy with almost everybody he he talked to. The only time he got a little bit, you know, agitated and self in, in in righteous indignation is when he talked to religious people who said they knew God in heaven, 
but they had become grace robbers. And then he might pull them up short and say, nope, you can't do that because you're hurting somebody else. But in the normal give and take of resolving uh, religious belief differences, he always was considering the other person. So there are passages in scriptures where we see people in conflict with one another, and the Word of God says to them, hey, in the middle of all that, why don't you stop and rejoice? Rejoice that you know God and rejoice that the person you're arguing with knows God. And and a second thing, and be gentle with everybody. And a, a third thing, uh, pray. Pray for the person that you're you're having conflict with. And so instead of being hyper-focused on winning the argument, we become hyper-focused on being like Jesus and hyper-focused on the well-being of the other per person and hyper-focused on our character, our demeanor, our, our, our ability to relay these truths, not only logically, but lovingly. And I don't, and the more we get to know Christ and the more we abide in the Lord, the more we start doing it the way he does. That only comes because we learn to have so much joy in the Lord that it is less important. It's less important for us to win the arguments than it is to abide in Christ. Abiding in Christ becomes our, our greatest joy. And that changes how we go about these things. That certainly seems different from the way I did it for all my Christian life. <laughs> well, I like think was, in the, way, the way most people, I, I agree with you, yeah. Yeah, it was always, well, here's the truth in the word, and you're not living up to this, so you're wrong. You need to change. And then if they didn't see that immediate connection, and they're like, yeah, but that doesn't seem right. And I'm like, well, it's, it's written. So yeah. it's, it's right. And it always like came off arrogant and they didn't really want to hear it. And never once did it change a heart. It was, it was just me trying to, you know, essentially go with that old colloquialism of beating them over the head with the Bible. <laughs> yeah. You know, like you will get this. And it, it didn't, it didn't do it, but one thing you said that really stood out to me was that as we grow in the Lord and we become more and more um, entrained to think about him and to reflect him, we desire less to win the argument. And I think that is one that I've only recently in recent years just started diving into of I don't have to win all the time. And or, we've, we've talked about that before with us yeah, too, right? Yeah. Or we have a different motive for wanting to win. Okay. You know, instead of it just being all about me, you know, yeah, watch me now win this argument, you know, and, and we can, people can say, and I can say, or you can say all we want that that's not our motive, but you know, we've all been in arguments before. You know, we all know what happens inside of our brains. Half the time, we don't listen to the other person because we're formulating what we're going to say next. Exactly. And uh, so the, the passage I was referencing earlier about uh, rejoicing and, and 
being gentle and and praying is Philippians chapter four verses uh, two through seven. And it's interesting that when people have conflict and they get in these heated debates, or they, even if it's not a heated debate, if they get to get, you know, the passive aggressive or they use the silent treatment or whatever it is, you know, trying to trying to come out top dog in the argument. There's a sense of frustration and anxiety that builds up inside everybody. But in the in the Philippians chapter four passage, I'd encourage people to go there. There are these two ladies who have been had been laboring together, you know, as sisters in the Lord, working hard together, getting along with one another. And all of a sudden they're arguing and fighting. And, and Paul points this out and he says, so in the middle of all that, guys, uh, start rejoicing again. And in the middle of all that, guys, be gentle with one another. And in the middle of all that stuff, why don't you, instead of arguing so much, start praying for one another. And then there's a, a fourth piece in there, you know, surrounded by, surrounded by rejoicing, surrounded by gentleness and surrounded by prayer is don't be anxious. <laughs> Quit being anxious. Quit being so worked up over this thing. Just rest, abide in the Lord and, and, and let him guide you through this process. It's so much better than, you know, shouting matches. Yeah. Or and thinking that, I have to convince everybody all the time. And that'll apply both to this one and the next one, um, which is, which is kind of yeah. big. Yeah. So I want to go back real quick to the, the last bit and then jump into, you know, the, the next section, which is more of the political side. But mm -hmm. when I wanted to correct someone's theology or religious beliefs, when I looked at a, a friend you know, now I'm just saying a friend, but anytime I talk to these people, like my, you know, I had close family members who were Scientologists, Catholics, atheists, agnostics, all over the place. And I just simply could not understand their position because it just, like I had been in that position before and it, now I can see the truth. It didn't make sense. But, you know, we, we talked about the winning the every argument. But at the same time, and we talked about the motive behind it too, but ultimately I thought that I had to change their heart. Like that was my purpose. That was my, my meaning. And what that drove me to do was to push harder and harder and harder for that to get done. I don't yeah. want to fail my job. And yeah. if my job is to change their heart and I fail at that, then I failed Jesus, right? Like yeah. that's, that's inevitably what comes from that position, but yeah. that's, that's not my job. And in fact, you know, I've gone to this verse multiple times, but in first Corinthians chapter three, Paul is addressing these individuals who say, you know, well, I'm a disciple of this Paul, I'm a disciple of Apollos. And Paul says this in, in verse five of chapter three, first Corinthians, what then is Apollos and what is Paul? servants through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth, so that neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but God who causes the growth. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, but each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. 
it didn't matter that I was on this mission from God. That that wasn't what I was called to do. Maybe I was called to sow the seed of the truth of the gospel in them. Maybe I was called to water it and to reinforce that. But ultimately, I was there to be a witness. And when I went outside of that, that's where it it got out of hand. It got into a position of, you know, calling names or, you know, where wherever it detracted to. Those were the those are the problems. But ultimately, I mean, what's our purpose? We've talked about this already is just to reflect Christ, to worship God through our actions, through our words, and to teach others everything that God has shown us. And, you know, how do we do that? Well, we show it with our actions. We show it when we abide, when there's, you know, a differing, differing position on a doctrinal issue. You know, maybe we're talking with Catholics and we're Protestants and we say, hey, you know, what's this thing about Mary and why are you always talking to Mary? Oh, well then, you know, and then we all of a sudden get in this thing. What if instead we show the fruit of the spirit in that and we're able to talk with them gently, kindly, lovingly with yeah. self-control and, and all of a sudden it changes the whole aspect, especially in the political aspect, right? Yeah. And, yeah. And if, and I think if we do it the, uh, the way we've been talking about, you know, and I, always wish that these were you know eight hour podcast so you can go to so you can go to all of the different bible passages and show it specifically how jesus does it it always seemed like folks always wanted to come back and talk to jesus more you know and and when we get in when we get into those festering broken non-abiding in christ attempts at conflict resolution you know the last thing anybody wants to do is have that discussion with us again but if we're winsome and we are loving and we're compelling and we're inviting the way jesus is and we can only do that through the process of abiding this whole thing that we talk about all the time about abiding in in him abiding in his word abiding in his love abiding in his will fighting in his work the only way we can do that is by knowing that you know and pouring it into our hearts you know job one is to be saved job two is to, to abide and the more we do that the more like jesus we do it and who doesn't want to talk to jesus and i can i can you know i can point to all the failures in my past and every time i was not abiding you know and Person's like, I'm done talking with you. Now, there are times when we will abide well, and the other person's own brokenness or their own bitterness or whatever it might happen to be, it would be like, just like in some cases, the Pharisees and others, no matter how heavenly Jesus was, they were bound and determined to reject him. Yeah. So we could abide well and have a conversation and some people will reject us. But even then, you know, we get to lay our head on our pillow at night and know that Jesus says, well done, good and faithful servant. You, you, you stayed the course. You, you represented me well. You didn't start barking and yelling at somebody. Right. Yeah. But in every way, in every way, 
walking in the walking in the sandals of Jesus is just the best way to go about all these things. Now they always said in the Navy, there's two things that you don't talk about. I'm sure they said <laughs> in the army, right? Yeah. You don't talk about religion and you don't talk about politics. And of yeah. course, on the night shift when you're, you know, <laughs> the, you know, zero dark hundred all the way till the six o'clock in the morning shift. Those yeah. are all we talked about, right? Like that was, that was the time of day you could do that. But yeah. thinking about the political um, conflicts that we can have within families. I grew up in a, a family that was um, very more of, of the progressive side. They were Democrats. And so as a, as a kid, I thought I was a Democrat until I took a test and I found out I was more conservative on the Republican scale. And then I got to a point where I argued with my dad and I fought with him and I was like, no, you're stupid. And he said, no, you're stupid. And then all of a sudden, you know, that doesn't build anyone up. But the political side, even among all of the stuff that's happening nowadays, where you have, you know, the the MAGA and you have the the Trump is is the Godhead. And then we have, you know, the, the President Biden is the Godhead. Well, no, he's not the Godhead now. Well, but his policy is the greatest. Well, he's no, it's not. Well, you, you know, like you have these ups and downs and all these political things, defund the police and BLM and, you know, everything, like all of this stuff gets into families. And when that conflict comes up, we might elevate a, a political candidate to like almost this level of a, of a Protestant Pope, you know, like, oh, he's got this authority of God. In fact, he is, he's, he's what all Christians should vote for. And it's like, well, hold on a second. Like, what yeah. do you mean? You know, then all of a sudden it starts a fight. So, you know, looking at how we abide, I think it's important that we don't get to a position where we are elevating one idea um, above another in the political spectrum to the level of idolatry. What do I mean by that? There are some ideas or philosophies that are toxic, some which are good. Example would be a pro-life position. We believe through the gospels and through the word of God that every life is precious and created by God. So when it comes to the idea of abortion, we don't believe that abortion is an acceptable option. It is it's just not. It's, it's against the, um, the idea of life. Right. Yeah, so yes. I, I elevate that in the sense that this is already in the moral will of God. So I upkeep this as a position of my own. But what so I while, can I interrupt you? So while yeah, it's yeah. Beca- so while it's become a political issue, it's not for you or me or anyone who's abiding in Christ. It, it's not a political issue. It's a it's a will of God issue. Therefore, it's one of those. I'll die on this hill. Yeah. yeah going back to that that statement. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. But what about like a big government versus small government? What about, you know, the this idea of um I mean, look at the the later with taxes, no taxes. You yeah. know, tax the poor, tax the rich, tax reliefs to the poor, ta- trickle down, trickle up, you know, all of these things where we get so we get so focused or you said the word hyper hyper focused, hypersensitive to these ideas and we, we debate them within our families. And sometimes it causes conflict to the point that 
I've heard of families just no longer talking because one side's conservative and one side's progressive or liberal. And they say, I, I just can't, I don't want to talk to you at all. Well, think about that from the perspective of being a, a follower of Christ. If your family says, I can't talk to him because of a political stance that he's taken, how do you then share the, the gospel of Christ with him? They don't, they don't want to hear anything you want to say, right? Yeah. So abiding in the Lord, when it comes to these things, remember, we talked about this in the poor governance one, but remember, we are foreigners here. So when it comes to the political, ideological, philosophical positions, we take our stance by sticking to the word of God. That's our doctrine. We don't need to add or subtract. Do I think, you know, a constitutional democracy is a great idea? I already said it before. I, I think it's it's the best model that we have right now, in my intellectual opinion. That means as smart or as dumb as I might be, that's the best that I've come up with in my own mind, right? So I I, I have a belief that that's the best. But is that something I need to to die on the cross? You know, do I do I need to take this to the hill and say I will fight anyone who's a socialist or a fascist or no? Why? Because in the word of God, that's not, it, it has nothing to do with the government, right? So the political side, it's not a big thing. Well, what about philosophical sides? Well, you know, even in those things, I don't need to take a position on worldly views, right? Like the philosophy is man's interaction with man. That's that's how we get this philosophy, right? Well, philosophy of how do I treat this? How do I treat that? Well, th those are just, if they're not based on the biblical models, then I, I, they may be beneficial, but I'm not going to take my stance on that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to seek that and cause conflict because of something that's extra biblical, you know, outside of the word of God. So I think one of the big things for the political, ideological, or even the philo philosophical side is we need to, as an abiding Christian, stick to the word of God as our source of doctrine uh, and not to a particular political party, political philosophy, political candidate, um, or any other thing on this earth or in this country or in this state or city that we could get wrapped up in. Yeah, man, I could not agree with that more. I, I mean, that's just spot on. And, and and even and and then as an addition on the issues that we 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 must talk about right because they're God's issues I I want to communicate to somebody look I'm not a Republican I'm not a Democrat I, I'm not gonna I, I won't have this conversation with you in reference to all a number of those things you mentioned and probably a hundred more, right? Yeah. But I, I will have a discussion on the matter of the sanctity of human life. I will have a discussion on the matter of, of marriage in the eyes of God. I will have a discussion about what, what an identity really is because the claims of all these new identities is, at the heart of the gospel, you know, it's the one last railing rebellion against God. Don't you tell me who I am. Don't you tell me what I am. Well, 
if there is a creator <laughs> and he says it in this particular format, then that's another one of those hills to die on. But having said that, I'm reminded that, that God inspired the apostle Peter to write, but in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. That, that's a, a way of saying another way Another translation says, sanctify the Lord in your heart, set him apart. It's, it's What that means is that Jesus and God the Father and the Holy Spirit are so important to us in our inner interior, in our life, that we're abiding. So be set apart with God and set Christ apart. Help Christ to be evident in ways that others can't see. And how do you do that? By by doubling down on the word of God and becoming more and more like Jesus. He goes on to say, and therefore be prepared to always give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. So on the hills that we have to die on, we, we should be prepared to give a good answer. Biblically, logically, scientifically, every way we can, right? Let's be really well prepared and then he goes on to say, but do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ will end up being ashamed because of their slander. When they speak ill of us, they might not believe that they're involved in slander, but the reality is they are. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because how we have said it, was just as important as that we said it. And we said it the way Jesus would say it. We had self-control through the power of Christ's control. We had enduring patience because we were fully dependent on God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We got past our old fleshy self and we're leaning into the spirit being that God made us to be when we were born again in Christ. Yeah, that's that's it. And so I've got three. I want to do these ones briefly. So we'll keep yeah. it kind of short, but maybe we'll take turns on these. But what about when a when there's conflict between a child and the parents or a parent and the child? How to stay respectful but honor God in obeying the truth? This could be political. This could be religious. But, I mean, you know, with the parents and the child, you know, I mean, talking about what we have but just like just briefly if if you are the parent trying to talk to your child what would be one one little bit of advice on it, how to how to abide through that if you have to talk to your your child let's say well i would i would ask people to look at ephesians chapter 5 and chapter 6 one of the verses in there says fathers do not discourage your children. It's a, a really unique passage because what it's really saying is don't dispirit them. Don't don't break their, their spirit, right? So, yeah, we have to bring our children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. But when we become over-authoritarian, when, we, when we're just majoring on on the authoritarian side of life, we break their spirits. Yeah. We don't give them a chance to flex. We don't give them a chance to 
emote. We don't give them a chance to try and fail and try again. Um, I would say that's really, really important. And and so why? Because we're becoming more like Jesus, or at least we're supposed to be. And what does God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit do for all of us? They give us another chance and another chance and another chance and a fourth chance and a fifth chance and a sixth chance. And, and God is not in the business of breaking our spirits so that we finally just go, well, I'll never, I can't succeed. Yeah. So I think that would be really, really important that instead of having to win, what I really want to win is my child's affection for God. And if I'm overbearing and over authoritarian, I, no matter how truthful I am, no matter how much I'm wanting to teach my kid righteousness, it'll backfire. Yeah. Ultimately, it's it's love what changes the hearts and the minds. Yeah. Now, I'll I'll speak briefly to the the child with the parents. You know, maybe maybe you are the 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 child, and that doesn't have to be in age wise, right? That's that's in a positional. Um, a son or a daughter. When you're talking to your parents, remember one of the big promises that came and, and well, one of the, the commandments came was honoring your father and mother. And, um, you know, with that, bringing this longer life that can go with that. But when we talk to our parents, I think the, the main focus, um, should be that we can talk to them respectfully and in love, sharing the truth of whatever it is. We don't condescend our our parents. We don't bring them down to a lower level um, because we think we're smarter or you know we're more influential. So if one we're going to talk to their parents, you know, about one of these particular points, I would hope and pray that they would look at that and say, you know what. When I do this, I want to bring this up in love, but with respect and with honor to each of them, even if they aren't at the same level intellectually or you know knowledge-wise as you. It's okay. Uh, you meet them where they're at, just like you said Jesus did with a lot of the people um, through different times. So what about this one, though? When we have siblings, like I, I never had siblings, sadly enough. So uh, maybe I'll, I'll keep quiet on this one. But when, uh, when between siblings, I mean, how can we witness the truth without condemnation? Real quick, what, what would be a, an, an idea that you might use? I don't know that it would differ from any of the other ones I've already talked about. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, siblings, you know, are different in each family. So there's got to be that particular uniqueness, you know, to be like Jesus, to attempt to have a clear view of the, the makeup, the temperament, uh, how your brother or sister feels about their place in the family. All of those kind of things, you have to lead with that as opposed to leading with the argument. Mm. You know, the, you know, little children always lead with the desire to win. 
But if you're talking about adult siblings or adolescent siblings, you know, we're supposed to be growing up and we're supposed to be becoming more mature. So I think always contemplating and considering their uniqueness because we're all different, right? Even if you had a, you have only two kids in a household or, or 12, every one of those, every one of those children born to those parents is unique in the eyes of God. So just, just like the two ladies in the, in Paul's letter to the Philippians, he's my brother, he's my sister. You know, I can, I can rejoice in this, that God created that person. I can rejoice in this. God loves this person. I might be really worn out by that person, but but not God. So I slow down and I stop to see them through the through the Lord's eyes. Yeah. Wow. So let's go into the goals. And we'll end with the goals. Um so Let's talk when we're talking about goals. I use the word expectation as a synonym to this one. So, you know, if I have a, a goal for my life and then maybe I I also I have a goal for how I want to raise my kids. Right? Like it's an expectation. I expect myself to accomplish this task. I expect myself to lead my kids to do this. Some take it a step further and say, I expect my kids to become a doctor, to go to this school, to get these grades, to make the, the you know, the, the all-star, the all-state team, fill in the blank, right? So these are the expectations of the goals. So for the parents with their children, you know, what they should become in life, the doctor, the lawyer, go to the military how they should go about living their life. Should they get married? Should they not? Should they have lots of kids? No kids? How about moving out or, or going out with people versus maybe it's okay to stay in? Traveling versus staying at home. Moving out when they turn 18 versus maybe to continue living at home. So these are kind of just a few expectations to get you an idea of what we're talking about here. But Let's let's talk about this point, and it, it, a lot of it's going to line up, but maybe even help with the whole idea of the expectation setting, Ricky. When others' expectations for me do not match my own position, this is where the conflict comes in, and it is not a gospel-centered point, how can I proceed without hurting or alienating other people while still walking in my own life? Wow, that's huge. Um, I, my experience with the majority of Christian parents is they make an assumption about the household's walk with with God. That it's almost an unstated truth at the top of the pyramid. But the mistake they make is they focus on all the other stuff starting when they're little children you know little household chores did you did you make your bed today did you pick up your socks and your toys uh, start school did you do your homework 
facts. So most of the conversation is what I call trivial. And most people would call, no, that's not trivial. That's vital. And it's about education and, you know, what you mentioned, you know, have you decided what you're going to do when you get out of college and all of those things. But very, very little conversation in households with parents and children about the most important thing, which is our walk with the, with the Savior. Yeah, parents are faithful to take their kids to Sunday school, youth group, church, and so on and so forth. But the vast majority that I have known rarely talk to their kids substantively, lovingly about the things of the Lord. And yet the Bible is just complete with the idea that the one thing we are to have wonderful, joy-filled, loving conversations about is God and his, and his truth. So for me, it would be helping people get past the idea of, well, I got to help them get ahead in life. I have to help them, you know, be first in class and stuff like that. Well, yeah, sure. But Jesus said, what will it profit a person to gain the whole world but lose their soul? You know, so if intellectual, physical, economic, social, achievement is gained at the expense of spiritual vitality and true abiding in Christ. So I would make helping my children abide in Christ my main focus. And I would encourage everybody to do that. Yeah. I think that's a part of managing the expectations, right? Yeah, because you if 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 you're not if you're not doing the biblical part of it, you are managing the expectations. And then then what you're literally saying to your children is abiding in Christ is not the most important thing. Going to school or, or being good at sports or being a good singer or ballerina or whatever, that that's the most important thing. Yeah. These, these achievements that you can gain, you can achieve on your own or status that can be ascribed to you because you did this or that those become the most important thing when they're not the most important thing. In fact, they're trivial in view of eternity. Well, someone said, well, if I don't focus on that, that no, <laughs> if you help a child abide in Christ, they will become the kind of citizen that will naturally become responsible. Yeah. yeah. I think that's, that's a really important thing. I, I at the very beginning of being a parent, being a father i've shared that my idol was was fatherhood and being the best perception of a father right like i wanted people to perceive me as the best father and that didn't mean like i would lie to them that means i had to live up to every expectation whether it was realistic or whether it was you know some sort of theoretical expectation and i set some crazy expectations for my kids, my daughter, I, I expected her to walk at seven months um, to talk at, you know, whatever it was, a year or something like that. So I started watching those like little baby, your baby speaks and it shows a video. And I, I like, you will watch this for an hour every day. And I put I put my oldest daughter on my feet and I said, all right, now I'm going to force her to walk 
on top of my feet so she could get the mechanics of how to walk. And sure enough, I mean, she learned how to walk earlier than seven, seven months and a couple, couple days. And I met all these like expectations, but what does that matter? Like in the grand scheme of things is what I came to understand. Like, yeah. So I could ask someone else, Hey, is your kid walking? No. Well, mine is. You know, yeah. it just shows how great I am as a father, right? But yeah, yeah. ultimately, that goes back to my expectation for my kids. And, you know, hey, I I mean this in as much love as I can say this, but we as parents, when our expectations are really high for our kids, we need to ask ourselves, is that for our kids or is that for us? Yeah, I is that so the world? Yeah, is that for the world to see me as how great of a parent I am because my kid has a GPA of higher than a 4.0 or do I really care that my kid's GPA is a 4.0? Like, is that really going to help them, you know, to find Christ, to live out this, this walk? And for me, the answer was absolutely yes. It was, it was my expectation. It was my goal for my children that set them at that level. And I mean, that was a blow to me. That yeah. was a blow to my self-esteem that everything I'd set for my kids meant very little in the grand scheme of, are they are they Christians? Do they know Christ? Well, they're young. Okay, well, am I doing anything to empower them to do that? Is walking helping them to learn who Christ is? Is, you know, any of this now talking obviously could, but... You know, there's there's so many things that I could hear. I hear people talking about their kids making the the football team. And yeah, we're going out there. We're even going to get coached on the side outside of, you know, the normal football team. I've got this like great ex-NFL player who's working with my son or my daughter. And those things are great. But if we aren't spending the time in the word with our kids, if we're not spending the time talking about Christ with them, then all of the rest of that stuff is fluff. It's just, it's it's icing with no cake. That, yeah. People like icing with no cake, but it's yeah. just, it's not substantive, you know, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think when we're abiding in the Lord and we're helping our children to do it, the thing, the beauty is, is we can have both. You know, we can pursue excellence in all those other things from the spirit or from the flesh. Uh it's just how we discuss it and how we moderate our time on it. You know, a good example when I was growing up, uh, you know, the, you know, and and still to this day, probably along with only one other person, uh, my mother is the most complete example of abiding in the Lord that I've ever known. Uh, and I was probably about fourteen. And there was some relatives visiting and there's, you know, the adults were doing their, their, their talking, right. And somebody, and this, I I won't go into the whole conversation, but this one, one of the male relatives said, and my mom's name was Gladys. Well, Gladys, I mean, seriously, you wouldn't want your, one of your children to marry a black person or native American, would you? <laughs> and my mom, you know, she's five foot one, hundred, hundred five pounds, you know, 
just as calmly and as naturally as possible. She says, well, that's interesting that you'd even ask a question like that. But what I want most for my children is that they learn to love Jesus. And, and I pray that they will find a spouse that loves Jesus too. And the two of them will love Jesus so much that they'll, they'll encourage their children to love Jesus. As to whether or not the color of their skin is different than theirs, I don't have much of an opinion. <laughs> That's yeah. abiding in Jesus. Yeah. That's moment by moment abiding. And, you know, so... And the door was always open with my mom to have really substantive conversations about the nature of race relations, the nature of arithmetic, the nature of the cosmology, because every one of those conversations were uh, could be pursued in with excellence. Because with well, with my mother, they were bathed <clears throat> in our walk with the Savior. And, and it's not as though those things get shut down. They are made more vibrant, you know, because we're in love with Jesus. Yeah. Wow. So how about these two questions as a reflection question? I know we don't have a lot of reflection questions, but we got two questions. And Ricky, I think you brought these up um, outside of this. But do you... Dear listener, do you really believe that God can do all of these things when we talk about abiding and, and walking through conflict? Do you believe that God can really do these things in your life? And the second question is, do you believe you can do these things in the way that Jesus did it? And that's the heart of what we're getting at with abiding through conflict in all of these situations. Um, you know, as we as we close out the month of March and we finish talking about conflict for this month, we've talked about it in three different arenas, through governance, through work, through family. Do you believe in all of those areas that God can help us walk through this and do it in such a loving and peaceful manner without anxiety, do you believe that you can do it in the way that Jesus did? And I encourage you to look at the ways that Jesus did, the way that Jesus talked, and really reflect in your own life and ask the, ask the Lord about that. But uh, let's, let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray over those who are hearing this and and listening, God, I pray that they didn't already turn this off. I pray that if they're still listening, or Lord, that they can take this and look at their own conflicts that they've had, whether it was with political or philosophical or religious positions. I pray that you will um, let them be introspective about it, to look at themselves and to evaluate these situations and look at it and see maybe these were about expectations with these goals or maybe maybe we're trying to die on a hill that doesn't need to be died on 
Um, but I pray that your spirit will, will truly touch the heart of each of your children who are listening under the sound of our voices and, and to, to evaluate and then to look at it and say, Lord, I'm, I'm not reaching that. Help me to walk into that. Help me to interact in the ways that you interacted when you were down here. Help me to believe that you truly can walk me through in this abiding relationship through all of these types of conflict without me looking like those around me that are in the world. So help us to live as foreigners continuously in this earth, Lord. We love you. And we thank you for your compassion that you continued to forgive us, that you continued to allow us to come into your kingdom, um, even though we messed up, even though we fell short, even though we don't always we don't always make what we want, God. But you uh, you didn't condemn, you didn't trash us, or um, you weren't overbearing with us. You just simply called us to you, Lord. So pray that you'll continue to call us to you. In the name of Christ Jesus, we pray. Amen. So we want to end with an important scripture that reminds us to abide in him. John 14, 23, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. As you walk through this week, we encourage you to review the scriptures and themes we talk about, and ask the Holy Spirit to team up with you to bring this information to life personally in your walk. Thank you for listening, and God bless.